Previously on Pockets, Petey and Pockets escaped from the dungeon and in the process rescued Petey's family along with the rest of the king's prisoners. Petey learned that he was actually from Yondra and that he had been separated from his family during a storm. Apparently, Petey hit his head when their boat broke apart, which has affected his memory. His wife also doesn't believe he has the right egg. Miraculously, the platypus family and the other prisoners were able to make it out of the castle safely. But before Pockets could escape, Tuga burst into the Great Hall. And now for Episode 10, Yondra's Heroes. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents... The Adventures of Pockets. Pockets looked out from under the banquet table, his eyes bouncing between Tuga and the king. The king looked especially small. His three-tiered crown sat askew atop his long, curly hair. It had nearly fallen off as he jumped with fright at the sudden appearance of Tuga. Across the room, the giant turtle was grinning at him. He stood extra tall and confident now, wearing his shell instead of a rickety old fishing boat. Pockets wondered if Tuga had even bothered to remove all of Pockets' belongings before putting it on. You look surprised to see me, Tuga said happily. The king struggled to find the words. How did you get in here? How did you make it past my guards? Tuga smiled. I thought you'd ask. Ruka, bring her in. A gizzard stepped through the door, dragging behind it a flailing cogger. Pockets' eyes bulged. Cogleen? Let go of me, she cried. Her gears spun wildly as she tried to escape the gizzard's grip. The king stared at her in disbelief. The cog key, he muttered. Tuga laughed. <laughs> it appears the magic of Yondra smiles upon me, your majesty. We found her stuck in the gate lock, as if we were meant to storm the castle. It couldn't have been easier. We made good time, too, thanks to her friends. He pointed out the door at the group of cockers, still pieced together to form his carriage. They looked exhausted from the journey. Cogleen looked back at them furious. Let them be! They've done as you asked! 
Let them go, Tuga told his lizards, waving away the cargas. They're no use to me now. The gizzards stepped back to allow the cargo carriage to disassemble. Gears spun, metal twisted, pieces disconnected as the cargoes broke free and ran for the forest. Chuckling, Tuga folded his big scaly arms and shook his head at the pathetic scene. He looked down at Coglin. Consider that a token of my appreciation. Coglin glared at him. Chandra's magic, the king spat. I thought the cog key had been hidden away forever. They say when the castle was built and the cog key was forged, it was hidden and never heard of again. Ah, you're leaving out some important parts of the story, your majesty. Tuga stepped closer. He paid no attention to the king's porcupine guards who were aiming their spears at him, clearly nervous themselves. All creatures of Yondra joined forces to build this castle. The original king, a turtle, I might add, sent out a decree that all Yondrans should bring a single pebble to this place to help build it. And they did. Every Yondran creature, from the small slogger snails to the largest sleeping caves, brought a single pebble and set them here, one by one, until a wall was formed. Then a tower was erected, a great hall took form, and then finally a majestic palace stood at the heart of our world, a symbol of the great power we have when we come together. The gate was saved for last. It was to be left open to all yonderings, and a cog key and lock were created so that if ever, in an absolute emergency, the gate needed to be closed and locked, it would keep the castle protected. Only the true hero of Yondra would find the cog key to once again reopen it. Tuga held out his enormous wrinkly arms. That hero has arrived! His gizzards cheered behind him. Many of them piled into the room and closed the door behind them. You're no hero, the king hissed. You're a monster, a fossil from the old world that should be extinct. Tuga's face grew dark and angry. He stomped closer to the king, casting a long shadow over him. The king's wizards stepped in front of him and readied their spells. Swirls of light and fire danced over their outstretched hands. You wish I were extinct, Tuga growled. You did a good job spreading the news that the giant turtles were washed away in the storms of Whitley. But I knew better. When the last king died, you came after the turtles, ran us off into the seas, banished us from the land. You knew we were the ancient heirs to the Yondran throne and threatened your chance at becoming king. People believed you. They believed you would maintain peace and order. But I knew you for what you really were. The real monster of Yondra. Your cunning evil is no longer just whispers in the wind. The people's trust in you is waning. Tales of your selfishness fill their villages. They're ready for a new leader to take the throne. 
one that will open the gates of the castle and ensure that what happened to my kind never happens to another Yondren again. The king's pointy face trembled with fury. You think you can do it better, do you? You know what it's like, keeping cave giants asleep so they don't wake and become unruly? You know what it's like, paying the tolls to the Bark Box and the Pelopirates of this world? I did what must be done. You would do no better. You're full of hate, a deep-seated rage that will undoubtedly carry into your reign. You speak of unity, open doors. <laughs> Yandrin's creatures wouldn't be treated as equals. They'd be your lowly subjects and nothing more. There's a reason they call you Tuga the Terrible. You're ruthless and power-hungry. It's in your cold, turtle blood. He looked around the room. So, where is it? Where is what? Tuga said through gritted teeth. The dragon, the king replied in a mocking tone. I was told you would come, sitting upon the wings of a dragon bathed in fiery glory. Seems to me you came atop the shoulders of battered coggers. I have no need for a dragon, Tuga snarled. The cogkey has fallen into my hands and my gizzard army is strong enough to take over the kingdom without the need of some fabled creature. You sure about that? The king twirled his long curly hair. With a snap of his fingers, more porcupine guards poured into the room behind him. Tuga raised his hand and his gizzards assumed an attacking position. Tuga jumped up and tore the chandelier from the ceiling. As he twirled it on its chain, its candles went out and left swirling circles of smoke. Your reign ends here, your majesty. The king glared back at him. Your kind ends here, Tuga the Terrible. <clears throat> Sir? One of the gizzards cleared his throat nervously. What? Tuga bellowed. What do we do with the girl? Tuga whirled around impatiently. Throw her in the dungeon for all I care. No! Pockets sprang out from under the table. Coglin, catch! He threw an invisible robe to her. Coglin was so stunned to see him that she barely managed to catch it. As soon as it touched her little metal hand, she flung it over herself and disappeared. Where'd she go? The gizzard shouted. He looked around in amazement and waved his hands out around him. She's... she's gone! Pocket stepped forward, pulling a crayon back in his rubber band slingshot. No one treats my friends that way. And no one, no one steals my shell. Your shell? Tuga thundered. He squinted at him through his deep, scaly brow. You must be the one who's been causing all the noise lately. Pockets glared at him. Tuga looked him up and down. You've been the one making my life miserable. You snuck off with the cog key, only to leave a clear trail behind you. Miserable fool. You were in such a hurry to get here, you even left your little cog key friend in the lock. I didn't leave her in the lock. She just got stuck and told me to get help from the king. Tuga laughed. 
<laughs> Is that right? And how'd that work out for you? Pockets clenched his teeth. I admire your brashness, boy, but I have no use for an annoying little Beyondrin. You've served your purpose, and now you will fall with the rest of the king's men. Pockets pulled back a little more on his slingshot. I don't fight for the king. I fight for Yondra. Tuga threw out his hand. Attack! Charge! roared the king. Fling! Pockets let his crayon arrow fly. It zipped across the room, threw a candelabra on the far table, caught fire, and smacked into the banner on the wall. Fire engulfed the fabric in seconds. The porcupine guards and gizzards near it jumped back. Pockets pulled out his floss, tied the hooked paper clip to it, and cast it across the room like a fishing pole. It snagged onto the burning banner, which Pockets yanked free off the wall with one hard tug. He pulled the banner towards him and started whipping it around all over the place. Gizzards and porcupines fled the spinning trail of fire, but Pockets chased after them, running across the long banquet tables, singeing porcupine and gizzard bottoms as he ran. The rest of the Yondrans in the room collided in a shouting frenzy. Porcupines fought with swords and spears. A few of them used their own sharp quills as arrows, plucking them off and firing them with bows they had strapped to their backs. Gizzards did acrobatic flips off the tables and walls, fighting with their hands, feet, and claw staffs. When within range, the big lizards clamped onto the porcupine swords with their claw staffs and flung them out of their hands. Some would clamp down onto the porcupine's feet, causing them to trip and fall. Tuga used the giant chandelier as a mace, twirling it at his side and letting it whip around him, sending porcupines flying. But any time he tried to charge the king, the wizards would step out and cast a spell at him. Fireballs, spikes made of ice, gusts of wind. Every few seconds a new spell was thrown his way. Tuga deflected most of them, knocking them aside with his chandelier mace. The fireballs and ice spikes flew somewhat slowly and were easy to challenge. Only the gusts of wind managed to push him back. It was clear the wizards were short on practice. For years their magic had been used mostly for the amusement of the king and occasionally to summon guards, but only when they had joined forces. Knowing their own limitations, within minutes of the battle starting, they wisely summoned the aid of the Shadow Knights. A dark shadow oozed from their raised hands and formed the symbol of a sword. Almost as soon as the shape was complete, Shadow Knights silently stormed the Great Hall, stretching in through the doorways and tall windows. They brought their dark blades down on the gizzards, dropping dozens of them in their first attack. When the silent attackers were noticed gliding across the floors and walls, the gizzards immediately counterattacked, using their wizard-forged claw staffs to fight back. By now, Pocket's swirling banner of fire had burnt down to ash, making him an open target. Seeing their opening, minions from both the king and Tuga charged. Pockets ran for it. He slid across a table on his knees, barely dodging multiple downward chops from the Shadow Knights. Shadow blades stuck into the table just behind his sliding body. When he reached the end of the table, Pockets pulled out his yo-yo and flung it at a chandelier. It looped around the light 
and Pocket swung off the table out across the room. Halfway into his swing, he suddenly felt a claw staff clamp down onto his leg. No! Pockets held on tight and dragged the gizzard along until it bonked into the back of Tuga. Get off me! Tuga roared, grabbing the lizard with one hand and tossing him aside. The second Pockets landed, he pulled out his old wristwatch, put it on, and then used his tape to attach his broken mirror to it. The result was a little mini-shield spanning the back of his hand and wrist. Every time a porcupine swung a sword or jabbed a spear at him, he deflected it with his watch mere shield. Clack, clink, clang! A short distance away, the king sat in a corner behind his tiring wizards, filling the room with annoying shrieks, shouts, and commands. Even his wizards seemed irritated by the incessant barking. Go after Tuga's legs, he shrieked. Poke him in the eye. Bite the lizard's tails. Watch out for my portrait. No, 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 get off that rug. Oh, that was a gift. Put those forks down. They're silver. Boom, 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 crash. The king's huge, hairy troll smashed into the room, clubs in hand. Now you show up, the king scolded. Sorry we're late, one of them said, its two tusks protruding from its big frowning lips. We kept crashing into the wrong rooms. Don't worry, your majesty, roared a bucktooth girl troll. We'll handle this. <sighs> the huge yellow trolls swung their clubs aimlessly, whacking gizzards and porcupines left and right. Now, you imbeciles, the king shrieked. Only hit the gizzards. What's a gizzard? One of the trolls asked picking his nose with one hand and swinging his club with another. The lizards, you grotesque ghouls! The king stared at his wizards in a frenzied rage. Could you have made them any dumber? We followed the spellbook, sire, one of the wizards replied. All around them, trolls were running into each other, hammering the walls with clubs and accidentally hurting themselves. Ouch! There's a fork in my toe! The room was in absolute chaos. Gizzards and porcupines clashed. Tuga threw the king's best defenders out of his way and was exhausting most of his efforts deflecting the wizard's spells and trying to get closer to the king. Trolls whacked anything and everything, including each other. Pockets wondered how he'd ever managed to fight off so many minions. Where were his friends? Seeing the mounting devastation around, he hoped they were far away from here. All he could hope for himself was to survive long enough to see both armies finish each other off. He picked up a spear from one of the fallen porcupines, poked his glue stick on the end of it, and ran a zigzagging trail of glue along the floor behind him as he ran. The gizzards and porcupines chasing him ran over the sticky trail and slowed to a stop, trying to figure out why the bottoms of their feet were clinging to the floor. They struggled to pry them free and rub the guck off. One of the trolls charged Pockets head-on. Pockets spun his glue stick spear around and launched it like a javelin. Swomp! It stuck right into one of the trolls' flaring nostrils. The troll skidded to a stop. Ugh, send me nose! He started yanking on the spear repeatedly, making his goofy squat head jerk back and forth. Gah, 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 gah. 
Finally, it pulled free and the glue stick tip emerged covered in a bundle of long troll nose hairs. The troll's big eyes started to water. A quiet squeal escaped its lips until... <laughs> it sobbed miserably. All around its big fat feet, gizzards and porcupines were taking notice of Pockets' cunning maneuvers. Some of them had even started to hesitate before attacking. Every time they charged, Pockets would have a clever counterattack using one of his trinkets. Sometimes he'd use other knickknacks he managed to scoop up in the chaos. Forks, cups, plates, tablecloths, broken chairs, everything and anything was used to block, fling, or entrap Pockets' attackers. And yet, despite his best efforts, the king and Tuga's army seemed to grow and grow. Gizzards pushed in through the doors, and porcupines streamed into the room from the castle halls. There seemed to be no end in sight. Pockets watched as Tuga pushed harder against the wizard's weakening spells. Tell your magic men to stand down, Tuga yelled over the noise. You're outnumbered. It's only a matter of time before you're overrun. Never, screamed the king's shrill voice. Chandra belongs to me. Your wizard's spells are losing strength. Their magic won't last forever. When their last spell fades from their breath, I will have you squeezed in this hand. You will never overrun my soldiers and minions, the king spat. You are the one who is outnumbered. Tuga chuckled. Is that right? You think this is all I came with? I have thousands of gizzards awaiting my command just outside. One raise of my hand and they'll rain down on this hole with a fury never seen in all of Yondra. I wouldn't be so sure about that, came a strange voice near the Great Hall entrance. Tuga, the king, in pockets looked and saw Petey standing in the doorway, a confident smirk bending his bill. Petey, pockets shouted. Oi, pockets! You've made a big mess in here. Pockets laughed. Boy, is it good to see you. Have you seen Coglin? Did she get out? Oh, she's all right. But I can't say the same for Tuga's army. What are you talking about? Tuga growled. I'm talking about this. Petey kicked open the large great hall doors, revealing an enormous battle taking place outside. Every creature within the Great Hall stopped fighting to watch in amazement. Just outside, covering the fields and stretching into the forest, were Yondrins as far as the eye could see, joining forces to push back Tuga's massive gizzard army. There was Coglin leading the charge of the Coggers. She had ordered a group of them to piece together to form a large spinning fan that swatted gizzards by the dozens. The cave giants lumbered across the battlefield, stomping, smashing, chomping, and throwing. Crabbies skittered through the grass, pinching their enemies with their blue claws. Brack, the old blind gizzard, led his own band of misfit warriors from Bog's Deep. He spun his claw staff, blocking, jabbing, flipping, and striking with incredible finesse. The freed prisoners from the dungeon fought side by side. For Yandra! Coglin yelled. For Yandra! her army echoed. Farlin, the wizard, walked out from the fighting mob, tossing his long matted hair out of his face. 
As he entered the great hall, the king's wizards stepped out to meet him. Did they tell you who got them past your guards? Farland said with a smile. That old wizard was mentioned, perhaps? The taller wizard admitted. Farland didn't look satisfied. Say it. Say my name. We won't speak it, snarled the smaller wizard. It is a curse on our lips. No, Farland said. Your curse has already been laid. You've stolen much of my power with your wicked enchantments. Now is the time to break it. Free yourself of the burden of my powers. Say my name. Never! The taller wizard cast a fireball, which Farland deflected with a gust of wind, summoned from a wave of the hand. The smaller wizard cast a shadow spear, which Farland stopped mid-flight and bent with a gesture of the hand before dropping it to the ground. Farland took a small vial from his cloak and drank its contents. As the last drop touched his tongue, his body grew and grew until he was nearly the size of a cave giant, his head touching the stone ceiling of the great hall. The king's wizards gazed up in horror. Before they could cast another spell, giant Farland scooped them up in either hand and gave them a good squeeze. Say it! Farland! They both cried. Magic poured out of them and surged into Farland's giant hands in a current of shimmering green. It traveled down his giant body and stopped at his toes. Farland gradually shrunk back down to size and set down the weak wizards who now couldn't summon so much as a mouse with their powers. They cowered back and fled, leaving the king completely exposed. With a pathetic squeal, the little man tripped over himself as he dove under the tables. Even Tuga fell back at the staggering display of power. Less impressed were the king's shadow knights. They bared down on Farland from every angle. Farland, watch out! Pocket shouted. Farland whipped his hands all around him, casting burning light spells, turning the attacking shadows to poofs of smoke before they could land a strike. With Farland distracted, Tuga searched under the tables for the king. Show yourself, you coward! It's over, Tuga, Petey said. The citizens of Yandra have spoken. They don't want you or the king to rule over them. Tuga turned to face him. The king peeked out from under a tablecloth at the end of the room. I don't care what the Yandrans want, Tuga growled. And I certainly don't care what a little platypus has to say about it. You should, Petey said, because this little platypus is here to put an end to the terror you both have caused. Pockets walked over and stood by Petey's side. You and the king have done enough damage. Walk away and we'll let you and the former king go free. Tuga glared at them. You dare challenge me? I'm not afraid of wizards, giants, or coggers, and I definitely, most definitely, am not afraid of a pathetic little platypus and his beyondren friend. Pity smiled. You might not be afraid of us, but maybe you'll be afraid of this.
Petey held out his cracked egg and carefully set it on the ground. A piece of the shell had already fallen away, and they could see something moving inside. Pockets wasn't sure what Petey was up to, offering up his platypus egg like this. He'd been so protective of it up until now. Why would he set it before Tuga? Tuga was obviously thinking the same thing. What? You trying to scare me off with a rotten egg? <laughs> His deep, gravelly laugh echoed through the room. He slowly faded as he saw what was crawling out of the egg. It was scaly. It was black. It had two horns, a tail, and two rubbery wings. A dragon? Pocket said in surprise. A dragon? The king whimpered from under the table. A dragon, Petey said proudly. No, Tuga breathed. It can't be. The king retreated back under the table. All of his soldiers backed away. Pockets was just as amazed. He stepped back as the baby dragon steadied itself on its clawed feet and shook off the remaining shell. The last pieces flew off with a couple flaps of its wings. The dragon locked eyes with Tuga and growled. With a surprisingly powerful roar, it lowered its head and sprayed a long burst of fire at the table just behind him. Whoosh! The whole table went up in flames. Fire raced around the room, spreading from table to table, forcing the king out of his hiding place. He and Tuga shriveled in the presence of the baby dragon. A wall of fire blocked their escape. Tuga dropped his chandelier mace and sank down to one knee. His scaly head slowly lowered into a bow. The king dropped to a knee next to him, reluctantly bowing himself. The Shadow Knights in the room retreated, some vanishing in the magical dragon flames before they could escape. Farlin and the rest of the Yondrans left in the Great Hall bowed on one knee. Odie, Petey said, outside. The dragon squawked a few times at the platypus, and then with a few flaps of its wings, flew outside, letting out another fiery roar that brought the battle to a standstill. As all the fighting Yondrans beheld the pillar of fire and heard the bugle of the dragon, they too bowed down before it. The dragon circled its way to the top of the tallest tower, landed on the spire, and blew a pillar of fire hundreds of feet into the sky. Back in the Great Hall, Pocket slowly looked at Petey. Oti? Petey shrugged. You have an Otis? So I figured I should have one too. The two friends burst into laughter that echoed through the great hall and out onto the battlefield.
Rocketeers. I hope you all enjoyed that episode of Pockets. We only have a few episodes left till the end of this season. I'm excited to get there. This has been fun. Pockets is a crazy story. It's like a little crazier Wizard of Oz or something. I don't know, but it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. I want to thank my mom, Roxanne Webb, my editor for going over the story, helping me clean it up, and Jeremy from HarmoniousIdeas.com for helping edit the audio. And I want to thank all the Rocketeers who've been leaving reviews on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Love it. I'm going to read a couple of these Apple reviews. This one is from Theo and Gus. It says, I love the podcast. Here is my list of my favorite seasons. It goes from Grandpa's Globe, Camp Dino, Space Train, Digger, Winglings, Pixie Knots Life, Knights of Spatula. (laughs) Knights of Spatula always ends up at the bottom of everybody's list. I have to tell you, I never finished it. I need to go back and finish. It's the one series I never finished. I think there are only like six episodes. So maybe it'll tick up the list if I actually finish it. So, And it says, can you please make a season called Black Knight? She is silent so the other knights don't know that their strongest warrior is a woman. Whoa, that is a cool idea. I love it. That is a great idea. Rocketeers, I love it. And that's so fun. Here's another review from Erilyn, and it says, Hello, Greg. I really think these episodes are really good and that they take a lot of time to make. I thank you for all the time you take to make a good podcast for the world. Oh, thanks so much, Erilyn. And thank you so much, parents who are reaching out via email to share your experience. It's it's amazing. I love it. It makes me feel more connected to the listeners. So it's awesome. I appreciate it, especially because things have been a little chaotic around here. We are big news. We're actually moving to Colorado. It's kind of a long story, but uh, yeah, we're, we're picking up and moving this week. And so it's been kind of a mad scramble to get everything together and we're going to pack up and move closer to family. So wish us luck. Uh, we're going to need it. So reading this feedback, hearing your experiences, it's a nice uh, bright moment in kind of a stressful time over here, but I appreciate it, Rocketeers. And I, it sounds like I, I recently got some feedback that says that they came across the Purple Rocket podcast by searching best podcast for kids on Google. That's great. I didn't know people were finding the podcast through Google. So yeah, I would love to hear parents and rocketeers when you're leaving a review or maybe if you're just reaching out on Facebook or via email, hearing where you found out about the podcast is actually really helpful. So I'd love to know when you do reach out, please, please share that detail. That's great. The best way to share the podcast, Rocketeers and parents, is by telling your friends and family. That's the best. Having your personal review in person to somebody else and passing it along, that's the greatest compliment I could ever get. So thank you so much. And a huge, huge thank you to the patrons who are helping me fund the editing of the audio. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your help. Those who want to help support the show can go to patreon.com slash Podcast and support the show that way. You could also support the show by supporting our sponsors, letting the sponsor ad play, and going and checking out their product or service. That helps the show as well. So thank you so much, Rocketeers. Next time, I'll be recording from Colorado. Till next time, this is your host, Greg Webb.